All right. Uh, welcome to the Sustainable Nano Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Krauss, and today we have the second part of our two-part series about working on a science communication project with the company called Lifeology, and we had a wonderful... Um, they call it a course. It's uh, it's not like a you know ten week course, but it's it's maybe twenty thirty slides or cards, um, all about what happens to nanomaterials when they enter the environment. And today I'm talking again with our Center for Sustainable Nanotechnology graduate students Paige Kinsley, Stephanie Mitchell, and Jaya Borgata about their work on creating this course um, and collaborating with the Lifeology team to make it happen. So I think on our previous episode we interviewed. Paige Giroux, who is co-founder of Lifeology. And if you haven't already heard that episode, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. But uh, if not, you can keep listening to this one and it'll still make sense. In this week, we interviewed uh, Elfie Chang, who was the artist on the course. So we'll start off um, just asking each of our graduate students to introduce yourselves uh, and remind people kind of who you are, where are you at, what, what do you research, and why were you working on this project? So let's see. We'll start with Paige because you're on the top of my screen. Okay, thank you. Um, hi, my name is Paige Kinsley. I'm a graduate student in the Center for Sustainable Nanotechnology at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. I'm a big fan of science communication, and um, I'm currently working on a project trying to make better tools to find nanoparticles in complicated systems. Awesome, thanks. Uh, Steph, you want to go next? Sure. My name is Stephanie. I am also a graduate student in the Center for Sustainable Nanotechnology, uh, but I am at the University of Minnesota, and I also really enjoy science communication. I think it's very fun to think about how we transform ideas and try to make them understandable by a bunch of different people. And my work at the University of Minnesota currently investigates the impact of nanomaterials on microbes. So two very small and interesting things. Thanks. And Jaya? My name is Jaya Borgata. I'm a graduate student at the University of Wisconsin as well. I am working on understanding how nanoparticles interact with plant systems with the goal of using nanoparticles in agriculture to suppress disease. I am also really interested in science communication because I think it's a way of making science more accessible to people and more inviting, and hopefully making it so that our fun, hard, challenging scientific discoveries either inspire or motivate other people. Thank you. Yeah, so we talked more in the last episode about um, kind of science communication and outreach in general and how that ties in with your work. But can you talk a little bit to, before we start with this interview? Um, what was it like working with an artist? Had any of you ever done something like that before? Or what was what was that experience? I can I can start. Um, so I had never worked with an artist before to like create something like that was in my head and then make it into something beautiful. So for me, it was sort of magical. I mentioned in the interview that I have no artistic talent at all. Like I don't, I can't do it. And so being able to transform things into something that's like a visual media was like something that I've always wanted to be able to do and been incapable of it until this t point. So I thought like that alone was kind of cool because I don't know, seeing something become like so beautiful and so accessible in such a different way was, I already used the word magical, but it like truly was. I, it, was it was those things that I like saw things and went like, oh my gosh, how is this even happening to me right now? I was so excited. I was giddy. 
I think one of the coolest things in working with Elfie was the way that she was able to visually represent hard, challenging concepts. So in our course, she uses uh, nanoparticles across the tip of a hair, and she makes the tip of a hair into a mountain. And so it takes this concept that's really abstract as to how small nanoparticles are and gives them a visual depiction. I guess I'm more on the artistically inclined side of people. So I have had a lot of fun in graduate school making fun cartoons and graphics in my presentations. But it was really awesome to see somebody whose job and life's work is this and how easily she translates hard concepts into something visual and accessible. Yeah, I think along with Jaya, I also like to think I am creative and have a little bit of artistic talent, but of course, nothing that compares to Elfie. And I think what gets me excited a lot about Elfie's art is knowing that that really would have attracted me as a child to understanding this is like seeing the way she was able to bring it to life. And I think it would have made the concepts really resonate with me more and stick in my memory more, getting to meet a nanoparticle called Lee and seeing what adventures they go on. So yeah, I think that was excellent. And just, yeah, the ability to have this character that she brings to life, not just boring nanoparticle, but a character go through and have a little adventure or misadventure was incredibly helpful and exciting. Yeah, that's great. So is there anything that surprised you or or I guess, is there anything that came out of the process that was like a new insight for you or a way that Elfie was able to convey something that wasn't what you had thought it would be? Yeah, so I think I think what really got my attention the first time looking at her art when we were able to view her initial sketches was that she didn't just make pictures of our words. She had made a story with pictures that really ran parallel and she with her own creativity and talent made a yeah a parallel story it wasn't just how these words go in a picture form it was how does how do these pictures carry across each of the different sides which yeah once again made it a a story and a collection instead of every slide in the course being a different fact it was a great through line it's beautiful i also think like the way that she created characters um like Lee is a very adorable little nanoparticle. So she creates a very endearing character that really, as Steph was saying, it creates that story. It's the through line and you feel like connected to something that's really abstract, like a nanoparticle through through her art. Yeah. I think going along with both uh, Steph and Jaya, like science in our heads is often not something that is like emotional, right? We care about it because it's important and it'll save the world in some way. But I think what Elfie was able to do with the words that we put down was like create this character who like had emotions. Like Lee's little face is the most adorable thing in the face of the earth. And Lee's expressions like throughout the story, I think endeared them even more to sort of what was happening and like helped the audience sort of connect to like really understand like at at maybe a deeper level like why this sort of thing might be important which I think in in any storytelling is that's how you effectively draw people in right is through their emotions and I think that's potentially one of sort of the powerful things about using art is that you can connect people to the story 
into the science in ways that you wouldn't necessarily be able to touch them if they were just like reading a paper, right? And so like you root for Lee, you want Lee to be safe and healthy and like successful in their job. And Elfie was really able to connect that for us. Like by the end, Lee's, Lee's a character that I'm sort of gonna carry with me for a while because they're adorable and like, we created this character together and then like Elfie made them even more real in a way, which is really cool. Yeah, I especially think that's the power of art in this scenario is that I think when we think about ecological safety and importance, people think about a lot of like charismatic megafauna, like you have to protect the polar bears and there's not much romance over bacteria, which I think most people or fish or any of these like small little bugs that live in the environment because most people think about them as like kind of gross and icky and then nanoparticles aren't a very tangible idea or material at all and yeah her being able to bring lee and even creatures in an environment to life gives this course i think more general interest which was exactly our goal and i think super excitement about seeing these images was that like if it really resonated with us in a new way then it was going to hopefully be really impactful for other people. And I think in the process of seeing art for your science, it also helps us think about our science in a new way, which is also very exciting. Wonderful. Any uh, Anything else we should say before we get on with the interview? Um, for me, I just wanted, it was a joy to work with Steph and Jaya in this. Obviously, like having our words transformed into art was wonderful, but finding ways to like create the words in the first place, I think was a wonderful exercise in using our brains creatively, unlike we normally do. So I think that was really cool. And like having different perspectives on a story is always really interesting because other people surprise you all the time. I don't know. I think it just like makes things a little bit more interesting. And, and for me, this was like the most fun I've had potentially during this pandemic. Um, so I just, I appreciated working with scientists and people that I respect and enjoy a great deal. <laughs> I guess to, to echo Paige, um, I think it was a really great learning experience in how to communicate clearly and choose your words and hearing the perspectives of Paige and Steph constantly questioning how clear things can be and how we can make things more accessible really taught me a lot about how does science communicate better. Um, and they're also two incredible and wonderful scientists and human beings. So it was lovely to work with them. And both. now we're going to start crying. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish I had something. You all took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, it was an incredible pleasure to work with both of you during this. And yeah, the personal growth that I feel like I got to experience doing this and really grappling. And I mean, even just like as simply as working well in a team and always being open to criticism and suggestion. I, I can't imagine our team having worked any better on this, which was so amazing. And yeah, really appreciating the expertise that both of you have to bring to the course was, yeah, I think we spent a lot of time listening to each other present our science and being really interested and excited about each other's science. But all those skills that maybe other people would think of as soft skills are really what make you an excellent person and professional. And I think being able to take time 
in our graduate programs and really flex those muscles and work that out and grow was was incredible. And yeah, doing it with you two couldn't have been any better. Well, thank you so much for sharing your, it was obviously a really meaningful experience, which is delightful. And I'm really excited to be able to share this and the, and the interview with Elfie with our listeners. So I think without further ado, we will, we'll play the interview and thank you all for joining me for this introduction. Um, and I hope, I trust, that all three of you will be back on the podcast sooner rather than later. Absolutely. So, to start, hi, my name is Paige Kinsley. Um, I'm a graduate student at the University of Wisconsin-Madison uh, and a student in the Center for Sustainable Nanotechnology. Uh, my name is Stephanie Mitchell. I am also a graduate student in the Center. Uh, I do my work through the University of Minnesota. And I'm Alfie Chang. I'm an illustrator from Taiwan. Uh, I'm most interested in working on topics related to science and communicating it to a broad audience. Thank you, Alfie. So first of all, thank you for joining us today. Um, we're currently um, uh, a little bit far away as far as time. I think it's 8 in the morning here and then, what is it, 10 at night in Taiwan? Yes, it's 10 p.m. here. Perfect. So thank you for uh, juggling with our schedule. This is this is kind of fun. It, it's a new experience. Um, so I guess to get started, we're really interested in knowing, like, how did you first get interested in science? Because you're a science illustrator, so obviously you have a little interest in science itself. Yeah, I do. I think I've always been quite fascinated by how things work in the natural world since I was a kid. So I would do things like spending hours in the kitchen just staring at an army of ants and um, moving bits of food and touching their heads to, um, to, on each other when they meet, things like that, and just wondering how they get around to do those things. So I guess I'm just naturally drawn to these things. That's so cool. A lot of folks I've talked to, their interest in nature and understanding how the world works around them is really what got them interested in science initially. Um, what made you then finally decide that you wanted to pursue science kind of as a profession and more just beyond an interest? I don't think I really have like a breaking point of deciding to, to do science. I guess it's just because uh, I am at the same time really bad at other subjects like history and language and all the other stuff apart from science so and just the just pure passion for science um, just led me to you know want to dig in and do more of it. So what's your background in science? Do you have a, a degree in science or just in art? What was your path to becoming an artist? And a scientist. Yeah, so I, I studied biological sciences and technology at university, and a, a lot of that involves applying technology mostly for medical use. So some of the uh, subjects uh, we studied were like immunobiology, molecular biology, microbiology, biochemistry, etc. And during this time, I've also had the, op the opportunity to get some practical training in the lab, like 
culturing cells or purifying proteins, and that's all quite fun. Yeah, but、um, in the end, I think I just didn't really have the enough passion to get more involved in research. And at the same time, because I love art, and I thought,、um, why not combine these two passions into my career? So, for art, is that something that like you've always been drawn to, even like as a little kid? Yeah, it's it's a bit like like my passion for science is it's just those two, art and science, is the the biggest two passions of my life. And in the beginning, it. I mean, these two things might look very different, like they are worlds apart. Actually, I never thought about combining these two and turning it into a career when I was younger. But I always remember when I was little. I always loved watching those TV shows, the the science shows, like、um, what's that program where David Attenborough hosts. <laughs> Oh, like the Blue Planet shows. Anyway, I always love watching those、um, science shows and learning learning new things from them. And I thought, yeah, maybe this is something I would like to do when I grow up. So that kind of kind of inspired me, I think. So when did you decide to stop doing just like science and become like a science communicator or like a science artist? Was there like a, a period in time when you were like, ah, okay, I guess this is a real thing that people do? I think I was really inspired by when I was studying in university, when I was doing biological sciences, and a lot of that、um, was about a lot of complicated things like how DNA works in our bodies. And I remember one of our textbooks came with this DVD with like very short. Animations explaining these concepts of how things work, and that's how when I find out like a one-minute animation can explain a whole chapter that would、um, probably require like half an hour for you to read through and understand, and that one minute of animation explains it like better than just plain text, and that's how I just. Was really inspired by these kind of media, and thought to myself, "Wow, okay, this is something I would really like to make for others in the future." Yeah. Did you have any formal art education, or was it only formal science education? I don't have formal art education,、um, but I did like spend after school hours to going to like. Clubs, or it's a bit like a a cram school, but training in arts, <laughs> like an after school activity. Yeah, after school thing. The place I went to, they were training people that originally didn't come from a, an arts background to to get into studying arts. So they they are preparing you for like a formal. Education in art, so that was quite helpful for me to learn a lot of essential、um, knowledge in in visual arts. Yeah, I mean, you clearly have a beautiful eye for color. Oh, thanks. <laughs> even how to make something look from realistic to cartoony, and there, I think that's how we we were really captivated by your yeah. art. Yeah. 
Oh. Going through your website and Instagram was like, it was magical for me. Because for me, I have like zero ability as an artist. I can like, it takes work for me to doodle. Like I have to like really think about it. So anytime I see someone like just like create just unbelievably beautiful stuff, I'm always like, oh, I'm so glad that there are people in the world to like to create this since I am physically incapable of doing it. So, so beautiful. Thank you very much. So how did you come to work for Lifeology? Is, was that kind of the immediate step after deciding you wanted to be in this illustrative science communication world? Or did you start someplace else? What's your story of getting to the Lifeology community? I think that's, that's quite a long journey, actually because I was originally trained in science and most people who did science would carry on their training to become um, a scientist or find a, a place in um, academia. But um, after I finished my studies in, at university, I uh, went on to get a job in the research center, which is still science related, but I wasn't working on the research job. I was more like organizing things around in the lab. And that's when I had some opportunities to um, work with the scientists there to create graphics for them. And that's how it all started. So that was more like uh, practicing my, my skills to start with. And then, yeah, so that built up and more scientists, like when they publish their, pa their papers, other scientists would see the graphics and they would be interested in creating, you know, similar stuff. And so more people came to me and then later on I just found out about, about Lifeology and they were creating content for a more a broader audience for the general public. So that was quite different from creating like graphics for the scientists I start with. But I think I, I do enjoy creating content for different groups of audiences. So I was just going to ask if the process for making an image for a publication is much different than the way you think about how you then create a lifeology board, considering there's different audiences and maybe even like different details and important information that you're trying to get across or is the artistic process largely the same um it's it's quite hard to compare these two but yeah they are different because to start with the level of science you're talking about is different right like for the the scientists they are communicating their work with mostly their peers so there's a level of you know professional knowledge in the science you have to kind of understand and that's going to help you create the image. So for me, I always like to start from understanding the work of the scientists I'm working with, not exactly like reading through their papers, but at least I know like I have a rough idea what's going on and what the scientists want to communicate. And if you compare that with projects with lifeology or like your course with the nanoparticles, these projects for a broader audience, 
it's the same for me. I have to understand what the science is behind each project to enable to do a good job um, retelling the story. So my job is retelling the, the science story with pictures, right? So I would stress myself to try to understand the science. And I think actually creating for the scientist, I do feel it's easier than creating for a broad audience. That's something I found out only recently myself, and I, I was surprised too, because I thought, because you would think that the science for the scientists is like much harder, but it's a very refined group of people you're talking to, so you could more easily set your tone and know how you should talk to these people, but with a broader audience, it's more difficult to make everyone happy, I would say. And that's, that's mostly where the challenge is. So sort of going along with that, do you find, is there, especially for like communicating to the general public, is there any like particular part that you find most difficult or like most frustrating as an artist? Like whether it's like interacting with specific scientists or something else do you find out there's like there are certain parts that you like you're like oh this is this is really really hard um do you mean like working on projects in general for an artist i mean it can be to yeah like from the artist's point of view it could be specific to lifeology or general art science projects that you've been working on okay i think for most projects i think also, this is something I think most artists might agree with me, is probably not having enough freedom in, in the creative process. Like, we are trying to be creative, and <laughs> that, that requires a lot of time and effort for us to go free to, to express ourselves. And when we, we are working with someone that doesn't really give you enough freedom, it's like, they're holding your hand while you are doing the painting. And that's, that's just not going to end up as a very good experience, I think. Yeah. Are there, as far as like creativity comes from, do you have certain things that inspire you? Or like, like when your, your hand isn't being held, where do your individual ideas sort of come from? I think personally, for my, my process, I... I like to look at other works that I, I find they're, they're really good. I like to look at good work from other artists and try to experiment with different styles and try to combine them. You know, you have to be open-minded. And when looking at other artists' works, it kind of really helps to get an inspiration yeah, absolutely. I think you said something really interesting earlier, which really resonated with me, especially thinking about the way your beautiful art turned out for our DSN Lifeology course. Um, but you said you want to retell the story through illustrations. And I think that's such a beautiful way to put it, because you weren't just simply looking at the words that we wrote and making pictures with the words. You made this beautiful story in parallel with such like new creative concepts and fun and personality that 
we just couldn't achieve through a few words. And yeah, I, the power of your art really just brings it to life in such a fun new way, which is just so exciting. We all squealed when we saw your art. We just were... <laughs> okay, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we were, like, screaming over text at each other as we were, like... When it was... You first gave us the storyboard, we were just, like... We were, like, floored because it was, like, so much more than we could ever have thought. We were, like, the, you, cre- you made these words so much better. We were very excited. Very, very, very excited. Oh, that's so cute. But I think I think it's it's kind of the same for you guys when you were writing the story, isn't it? Like you are researching this this topic into quite like a certain depth, but you have to come out from that and retell this story with with your own words and make it fun and interesting. I find that fascinating because I'm really not good at words. I can't write like that. And I just find that, yeah, it's really, it's really cool that you are able to do that. I think we all get excited about other people's talents. Because, um, I mean, yeah, we also went through the same thing when we would be struggling with a concept or a phrase even and just trying to rewrite it well enough so that it actually came across. And I think there's a particular challenge with trying to think about something nanoscale that I think we, within the center, do struggle trying to find ways to make something that's so small and not really tangible become real to people because you don't, you don't think about things on this scale so often. Um, did you find trying to think about nanoscience was more difficult than other projects or because you have had practice with thinking about other molecules and proteins and small size things that that kind of practice and way of thinking really helps you make our beautiful art for our CSN course. Yeah. So um, I think for this, for the nanoparticle course, it's special to me in a way. It's actually quite a new topic for me because my background is in medical sciences and this is totally out of my comfort zone and for a lot of the content I have to do a lot of researching I have to look up a lot of things for example um, the nanoparticles we talked about were were in batteries in our cell phones and I just spent a lot of time looking up how batteries work and what nanoparticles play a part in in the batteries and yeah that that was completely different for me completely new so for projects like this that's in a topic that i'm not familiar with i think it's it can be challenging at times when i'm trying to figure out the science behind it doing the research it can be time consuming can even be very frustrating sometimes when I don't understand what's going on but at the same time I think it's a good way for me to learn new things because yeah I get to um, work on new topics in science and just learn about the latest discoveries and I just love that. Do you find that your training you're like training in science right at university 
sort of helps learn about new science that may not be in your field, right? You may not necessarily have any background, but do you find that that scientific training sort of like helps you learn things faster maybe, or, or in a way that like you wouldn't necessarily have if you didn't have that foundation? Yeah, I do find that helpful actually to have a background in science before learning about other fields in science. Because, yeah, you, you have that foundation in, like, chemistry, physics, all that. And there's some special terms that, you know, you have to use to explain things. And that will save, save you quite some time if you're completely new to it. You'd probably be looking up a lot of words. But if you have, like, a basic background in science, it, it, it would help, I think. You said that like this was sort of outside your field a little bit. Was there anything else that was like particularly either like challenging or fun about doing this specific project? Have you ever like worked with like some random graduate students that are like, we have science that we want art for? Um, no, I haven't really worked with random students, but yeah, I've been a student myself, so I wouldn't call myself random. <laughs> But I do love the fact that um, some students, they are willing to put time and effort into creating art into their scientific work. I think that's a great start of their career. <laughs> and for this project, like Steph just mentioned about describing the nano size, it was quite a challenging aspect of this course. And I think the benefits of visual arts is in describing these things that can be pretty abstract to people um, in everyday lives. I think another example from the course was when we talked about the reactivity of the particles, like smaller particles, they have more surface area, which makes them more reactive. And that's a pretty abstract idea to visualize. So if our audience haven't seen the course yet, um, what I came up with was these nanoparticle characters doing a stadium wave. Just So what I had in mind is I want to see something to be very active as a group. And that's how I had this idea of this stadium wave. So that's how this, this idea came about. And that's something that visual arts can do a lot with. I think that's definitely the power where you get to bring something that people have a lot of experience with and maybe a visual representation for, which is the stadium wave, and you get to repurpose that idea and the function of that in a scientific way to help make the concept so much more understandable and attainable. Because yeah, if we were to think about reactivity, I think we would just draw like yeah, fizzes of something. I don't know. Like we would just draw like crazy scissors <laughs> coming out because we don't have that. Well, we haven't yeah. worked maybe that muscle as much as you have to think about what things in your everyday life can be helpful for, for illustration. Yeah. I think sometimes for, for me as an artist, an idea like that you requires a bit of luck as well. So this one came out, it works quite well. For me personally, I don't know how the readers will re react, but 
I myself think, okay, that looks quite good. <laughs> and um, but I don't always have ideas like that every time. So yeah, it is quite an interesting way for me to um, practice, you know, my brainstorming skills. And I do, I find it really exciting when I have ideas like that coming out from me. I think for us as the scientists, it's also very exciting because like you mentioned, like we're sort of like we go really deep in the science um, and yeah. often like think about it in very specific, well-defined terms because that's like how you think about it as a scientist. And so like coming to you and like saying like we have these things and then you surprising us with like ways of interpreting it was so exciting because we're like we would never have thought about it like that we were just like this is just reactivity it's just like the science thing right so i think that was fun when you like first showed us the storyboard just how that the fact that your brain went in a different direction and like just surprised us and then you're like oh my god that's so effective um was really really fun to interact with because as scientists, like we have, we have one way of thinking about it, right? Because that's how we've been trained to do it. So getting like an artist's perspective, but also getting just like an outside the field person's perspective is always, always really fun. It's like a new way of learning about how your science might be relevant to other people. <laughs> I think through this process, when scientists are asked to think about how they want to explain their science in a way that's really meaningful. We do a lot of learning too, similar to I think the way, Alfie, like you need to think about how you want to use your art to make it the most effective. We need to think and like really know our science even better if we're going to have to try to explain it and what are the key parts that are necessary for actually understanding. But also the, your ability to be creative on a project that you were essentially assigned, we asked you to do it, is amazing because I think we're lucky in the center if we have a creative idea, we could write a blog post or make a podcast, but we get the idea and then we have to make it happen. And we asked you to make a thing happen and then you needed to come up with the ideas, which is a process that's very opposite of what I've had the pleasure of doing. If I have an idea that I think is really cool, then I get to make it happen, which is, I mean, awesome for you. You had to take it the complete opposite way, which is much harder. I see. I kind of know what you mean, because sometimes I do feel that um, I'm getting this content, you know, stuffed in my way, and I have to make it interesting. But I think for me, I just, I just love that challenge. I take it as a challenge every time, and... I think that's why I love doing this. Definitely. So as far as potential artists that are scientists that are listening, hopefully there are a couple of them, um, do you have advice for either scientists or artists who potentially want to like find ways to communicate science through art? Do you have like lessons that you've learned while you've been this science artist? Yeah, so... There's a lot to say for this question, I think. For both scientists and artists, I think the best way to start is to collaborate to begin with. So for scientists, I think it's best if you work with an artist that has created art that you like. So that's a good start because you like their work. And communicate simple and clear to them about what you need 
to make this process like easy for each other. And if you're a scientist and you're interested in getting hands-on with creating arts yourself, I think you have to be prepared to know that it's a very time-consuming process and it's a very steep learning curve. And the thing you have to remember before you start is to know what you want to communicate with your art. I mean, you have to like know your message because I have worked with scientists that they, they're really passionate about their work. That's fine. And they want to share a lot of it with people. But that sometimes would end up with, you know, they want to include so much detail into like one image or into one piece of content. And often that would just lose focus of things. So I think as a scientist, you could train yourself to come up with ways to, you know, maybe write down just one sentence about your work, get some like take home messages in one sentence, the kind of message you just you want to give people in a minute or so and to different people, like if you're talking to a peer or if you're talking to your kids or maybe you're sharing your work with your, your parents, different audiences. I think that's a, that's a good place to start and then you could go from there to create your art. And for, for the art, I don't think you have to worry too much about making it like a masterpiece or anything. Like a lot of the things we see online is, is just doodling. But sometimes if you have a good idea, it just makes a really strong impression to people. And that's just the effect had came across to people that way. And that's for the scientists. And for the artists, I would say work on science projects that you find interesting. You know, it's, it's always good to work on something you're already interested in to make it an enjoyable experience. And some people might wonder if um, artists should, should have a science background if they want to do sci-art projects. I would say it helps, but it's not necessary. As long as you work on something you're interested in, you would be willing to dig in and do your research and make good work. So you are an artist. So do you think art is one of the most effective ways to communicate science? And like, what about art makes it special? I think um, we have like many ways of communicating and art is just one of them, right? And we have like text, we have sound, we have a lot of different ways of communicating and from my experience most of the art I create is visual arts is like drawings graphics design and for me I think just like what we talked about a bit earlier a lot of the things in science is quite abstract I think using visual arts is a very quick way to represent a lot of the ideas in science and that's probably, if we compare it with just plain text, I think visual arts is like more effective and more universal. Like we don't have to worry about if people don't speak English or Chinese. And if you have an image of someone wearing a red coat, 
it's just someone wearing a red coat and instead of you know a sentence saying this it's just immediate and i think that's you've been able to make it more universal yeah which is awesome so did you guys get to use the course on the um the festival or something yeah we had a science festival so we posted the course along with a video we had made about like what it's like to be a scientist in the CSN. Actually, so Jaya, one of our other authors, um, she just did did a presentation on nano agriculture to a group of like active retirees here in Madison. And she used our Lee character, our nanoparticle in the presentation, like a number of times. It was really exciting. And it was like, so, so, I think the course is like a wonderful story, sort of talking about like why we should recycle our nanotechnology. Um, but I think the art you created for us is going to go like so far in in presentations that we're able to give and and just like communicating, just like having like really good tools to communicate about like nanoscience and nanotechnology. Uh, I'm so I'm really excited to like find new ways to use all of the beautiful art that you created for us. Great. Well, I think I'm just really curious about how people would, how people react to the visual content. Like for me, during the creating process, like I would have to consider if um, people would perceive the same message I'm trying to give with the visuals. So I would be really interested in how people react <laughs> because sometimes people can get the wrong idea. Yeah. Do you? After you sketched, I know you send us the storyboard and then we give little suggestions here and there. But do you, before you even show it to us, do you show it to colleagues or friends or family to see what they think before you send it around? Or you you get pretty confident and then you send it to your scientist collaborator? Yeah, I don't don't really send it around. I just try to get approval from the people I work with. But I think this was a really fun and great collab between us because I love how you came up with this idea and with this character, Lee, and kind of make it into a story because I wouldn't thought of that if I was doing the writing. So I think this was a really like helping each other <laughs> to, to make this happen. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. I think definitely. I think like both sides like were able to add and create to the other and like just enhanced it even more and created this beautiful yeah. piece of art and storytelling that I think for us, like I was so wonderfully surprised about how wonderful it turned out and that we were able to create this thing and then like have it made even more beautiful with art it was really, really cool. Yeah, and I think we learned, especially once we got your storyboard initially, once we went back through and considered re-editing our text, we really, I think, felt confident of where we could lean on the art to make certain concepts come around because we knew we couldn't make it as meaningful in the text as you could in the picture. And we knew, like, we just had so much more confidence in the ability that our message was going to be able to come across because of your wonderful talent and creation that we had seen. That's really interesting because most of the time when I get text for for courses like this or maybe an idea from a scientist, they'll try to stick to it and I have to 
arrange myself to to go around their ideas. But for this project, it's it's quite interesting that we went back and forth and do little adjustments in between to make the text and the the image like complementary to each other. That's quite cool. Yeah, I think that's very important for yeah having an effective message. Like you were saying, you have to you have to train yourself to break down those ideas into simple sentences. And we can't be too precious about maybe the scientific concepts we want to put in there because it might get in the way of the actual message. And yeah, being able to work with you with your knowledge of what's going to make the most effective illustration and even your outside perspective, I think really was incredibly valuable as we started to really fine tune what we wanted the text to say. Um, even like we had our we had our initial mission, which was recycle your batteries. But the most effective way to get from scientific literature to end message isn't necessarily yeah. a line. And I think we we really worked it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Do we have any other major questions? Do we have enough interesting content? <laughs> oh yeah, I think there is plenty interesting content. Yeah. Okay. I think this has been I I've learned a lot for sure. Thank you for sharing your background and your process. It's like I mean it's for us, it's something that we don't ever really get to think about. So hearing your perspective is really, really cool. And maybe like moving forward it's also helpful for potential future collaborations between artists. So we we make the, the process as painless as possible, right? For everybody involved. And if people want to find your work, Elfie, how do they do that? Where can they find you? Yeah, they could they could visit my website, which is Elfie Land Studios. So that's E L F Y L A N D Studios and dot com. So I have some work in like science, but I also do some of illustrations and with animals and some animations. And you can see your beautiful animation skills were put to use a little bit in our life world, lifeology course. Oh yeah, which was also just a wonderful surprise. So, um, <laughs> and we'll make sure to we'll link to your website and also I think your Instagram and your Twitter in the the show notes. So people are able to just click into that and see all of the beautiful work that you've done. Okay, thank you. Yeah, thank you. And that's it for this episode of the Sustainable Nano Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much to Alfie Chang for talking with us and to Paige Kinsley and Stephanie Mitchell for doing the interview. Our music is by PC3 and Dexter Britton. And if you missed our last episode, I encourage you to go back and hear more from Stephanie in our first Lifeology interview, where she and Jaya Borgata talked with Lifeology co-founder Paige Giroux. This podcast is produced by the Center for Sustainable Nanotechnology, which is funded by the National Science Foundation. Our usual disclaimer, though, the opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and not necessarily those of the National Science Foundation. Want more Sustainable Nano? You can listen to the podcast through Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and the National Science Foundation's Science Zone Radio, or listen to all the episodes and see show notes at podcast.sustainable-nano.com. There's also our Sustainable Nano blog, mostly written by students in the Center for Sustainable Nanotechnology, which you can find at sustainable-nano.com. And you can reach out to us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Sustainable Nano, all one word. We'd love to hear from you, like, what are some of your favorite examples of communicating science through art? 
Thanks for listening to the Sustainable Nano Podcast. And remember to always appreciate the small things in life.